Hello, we're back with week two of our PCF Bible Study Podcast. I'm Skye, and I'm here with my fellow PCF staff. Let me let them introduce themselves. Hi there, I'm Brenea. So glad to be here. And I'm Anna. Excited to join you guys. Well, we're glad to have you guys here discussing with me, and we're glad to have everyone listening. If you listened to last week, what we looked at last week was Genesis 1, and we talked about how this year we're going to go from Genesis to Revelations. We're going to be looking at the drama of redemption, what we see throughout the whole course of the Bible and how it all ties and fits in together. So this week for episode two, we're jumping into Genesis 2, um, and we're going to kind of zoom in a little bit, um, and we're going to take a closer look at how God has created us and how we are made in God's image. So with that, um, before we read Genesis 2, I'm going to have Anna and Brunea read us a few modern day quotes that talk about and define kind of who we are as humankind. Um, So Anna, Brunea, why don't you read these quotes for us? So the first quote is from Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, um, and it is, when one thinks coldly, I see no reason for attributing to man a significance different in kind from that which belongs to a baboon or a grain of sand. Um, And next we have Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA. When it comes to pain, love, joy, loneliness, and fear, a rat is a pig is a dog, is a boy. The next is from Francis Crick, who uh, co-discovered DNA. So you are nothing but a pack of neurons. You are no more than the behavior of vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. And then the final one is from a Harvard University evolutionary biologist, Stephen Jay Gould. And he says, We are here because one odd group of fishes had a peculiar fin anatomy that could transform into legs for terrestrial creatures because the earth never froze entirely during an ice age because a small tenuous species arriving in Africa a quarter of a million years ago has managed so far to survive by hook and by crook. We may yearn for a higher answer, but none exists. Wow. Yeah. So... There are four modern day quotes um, that you guys have heard that they speak about human worth and value. Um, So I'd just love to hear, to start off, what are your initial thoughts? What's your gut reaction to these quotes? Well, I think I know uh, Brenea's gut reaction from her face. (laughs) (laughs) This is just wild. I mean, I think the things that are really interesting here, um, right? A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That... I feel like, okay, you could write that out on paper, but it's very, I could just cannot imagine life believing that in my heart about myself or about mm-hmm. someone else, that we are no different, right? And that um, are the, the value of our life is equivalent as that of a pig. Um, yeah, so I think that's really interesting. I also think it's interesting, you know, we pulled quotes from people in power, right? People who have achieved yeah. great things worldly, right? The co-discoverer of DNA, the founder of PETA, um, but there are also people in power who don't hold this perspective. So I'm excited for us to kind of um, also talk, yeah, just to dive into scripture when we do, as we're thinking about like, okay, this is a perspective that's a modern perspective, but there are, there's a, there's a truth um, that doesn't devalue us. Well, I also think um, particularly in the chief justice quote, it says when one thinks coldly, 
I see no reason. And then even in Stephen Jay Gould's quote, it says, we may yearn for a higher answer. So it's interesting that these people are, are also uncomfortable with what they're saying. They sort of sense, and, and, and you could say they're just going against culture, but I also think they are going against their own sense that like, we all feel like there is some greater significance to our existence. And, you know, we would say that's a God-given sensibility. And so I feel like they're wrestling with themselves. They know that they wish there was a higher answer, but they feel like they're being starkly realistic and just acknowledging the cold, hard truth that there isn't. But it's interesting to me, you feel like there's a tension even in what they say. They're not, they don't feel happy about it. Like, I don't feel like these are happy quotes. Like, woohoo, you know, we just evolved and we're just a matter of chance. And I feel really happy and, and joyful about this. It's just like tough luck, kids. Yeah. This is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that chance, like it's just random chance. That's kind of what one of the first things that jumped out for me too. It's like, wow. Okay. I think there's, I think there's more of a plan here. And that was kind of one of the things I really held on to last week in Genesis one. I, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, Anna, because you're right. There is this sense of wrestling that we hear in the quotes. Um, yeah, where it's like, okay, when you think about it this way, or it'd be nice, right? We're looking for it, but it's not necessarily. And um, I guess that's where faith comes in. So yeah, I think it is really interesting that we see that. Um, and they're really talking about the things that we can make sense of. Yeah. And you said faith, where faith comes in, Brenea. Uh, we're going to use that to springboard to look at Genesis 2. Um, so we're going to read for you, um, we're going to start in Genesis 1, verse 26, and we're going to read through Genesis 2. Um, and you can just listen as we read this. Some of the things that you'll hear are just consistent with many other places in Scripture, uh, where Scripture is telling us that we are unique. We have great value. We are made in God's image. You'll hear that in the first verse that we read, that we are made in God's image. So there's some stark contrast here, and we'll talk about that more after we read this. But one other thing I want to mention before we read this is you might be saying, wait, last week we read about the creation account. And as you hear Genesis 2, this is also a creation account. And I just want to say that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are both talking about creation accounts, but they're not in contradiction with each other. They actually go hand in hand. It's like one Genesis one is where you're looking at that big picture view of the earth being created. God said, let there be light. And there was, he's creating the heavens and the earth. And Genesis two now, which we're going to read very shortly, um, zooms in and focuses on the creation of humankind. So we'll see that kind of Genesis two. We'll see where we get that second kind of creation account, even though they're not contradictory, but complementary. So with that, why don't we jump in um, and read this passage? All right. We're starting off at Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth 
and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he has done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to the water to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first was Pishon. It was the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx. Stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihan. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden. But the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There we go. Okay, so that is hearing the text of Genesis 1 and 2. Um, and hearing this passage, hearing this passage from scripture, um, what would you say that Genesis teaches us that is different than those modern day quotes we heard at the beginning? Well, I think, I mean, even just the act of creation 
Um, I mean, again, we were talking about this last week that the earth is, doesn't just happen by accident or chance, but God is doing something that has a plan, has some logic to it, has some personal relationship to it. So it's just a totally different kind of origin story than like there was a fish with a particular type of fin that happened to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just totally different in that sense. One other thing that I would just jump in and say uh, is that humans are given authority. And that kind of goes in with this intentionality that God kind of gives them something to do, gives them um, authority over the earth, authority over the plants and the animals. They're not just kind of there doing nothing um, or without any sense of direction. God has provided that for them. Yeah, I agree with that. I love this idea of the intentionality um, and that we were created and then also that there was like a sense of purpose that God gave us. He was like, Hey, go ahead, work this garden. I want you to do this thing. Um, and so not only that intentionality, but even that just kind of adds, um, this element of us being a co-laborer, right? That obviously God can take care of the garden himself, but instead he invites Adam in to do it. Um, which is just kind of affirming him as made in the image of God of his, his being just being valuable, um, and what he has to offer God wanting. Um, so, yeah. I think also one thing that strikes me after reading those quotes is I feel like they were saying, you're just a pack of neurons. You're no more important than a grain of dust. Um, you're just the same as a rat. Like, it's almost like if you're made of the same physical stuff, then you have the same value. And it's interesting in this text that the Lord forms Adam from the dust and again, you you could imagine it going other ways, you know, like the Lord went and got the most precious metal of the earth and out of it, he crafted the most precious thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or some, some story about like the material that, that Adam is made of. But it just says God formed him out of the dust, but then he breathed on him the breath of life and he became a living creature. Yes. So again, it's just like what God did, not like the stuff that Adam was made of. So the fact that we share molecular makeup with animals doesn't isn't where we get our distinctiveness. So yeah, that's really standing out to me. I love this. And I feel like that's so exciting to think about too, because it really just affirms that we're saved by grace through faith, right? Like it really just affirms this idea that it's not because of what we do or who we are, but just because God has, yeah, breathed the breath of life into us. Like we literally be nothing, right? But we're just valuable because God has said that we are, right? And it's kind of put his hand on us, breathe into us. So I love that. Thanks for pulling that out, Anna. Yeah, I love the gospel tie-in. Always good. Always good. So let's jump in a little more to this phrase, kind of made in God's image. Um, I think that's a big question for us to be asking. What does it mean that we are made in God's image? When you hear image, you think of like, uh, you can think of a mirror, something that's reflecting kind of the image of a person or a thing. So with God, we can since we are made in God's image, we can reflect God. And obviously we are not God. We do not reflect him fully, but we are able to reflect God in some way. So answering that question, what does it mean that we are made in God's image? And I think I would first answer that question um, to say that being made in the image of God means that we resemble him. So on that thought, like resembling God, um, Anna and Brenea, what would you say? um, Or how would you describe like how we resemble God? 
Well, I think, first of all, there is a unique relational aspect to the passage that God establishes a relationship with Adam and then brings Eve to to establish that relationship between them. So I think God in himself, he says, let us make man in his own image. And there's a, a hint there of the Trinity and the interrelationship of the Trinity. And that part of God is how that he has a love relationship with the other persons of the Trinity. And so it's important for us to also have love relationships with other human beings, um, both romantic, but all kinds of relationships with human community. So I think that part of what we are resembling God, uh, we resemble him in being people of relational beings um, and who relate to him first and foremost, that he established a special relationship, like just as if we were his child, that we kind of have a special relationship mm-hmm. and access to him, but also that we relate to other human beings in a particular way. And that's part of our mirroring. So that's one thing that, that really strikes me first. Yeah, that was actually, I was thinking the same thing, just this idea that um, God designed us for relationship with him um, and draws us into relationship. Um, and and also something else is just that God, you know, is the best at everything. <laughs> and one one thing like that, <laughs> I, I naturally, I, <laughs> I naturally am not a very creative person. Um, and so I have to work really hard when I want to kind of like design or create something new or I'm trying to make a logo. Like I just, I, it's not my natural bent. Um, and so when I'm thinking about, oh, let me pray about it. I'm like, why would I ask God for this? It's like, oh yeah. Cause he's actually the great creator, right? Like just this whole process of going through creation of, you know, putting the sun in the sky and the moon in the air. And, um, you know, just like the, just, you know, calling forth the birds and, oh, growing tree trees, like with this idea that there will be a, a, a plant where fruit will grow and you will be able to eat it, right? Like God was just so creative. Um, and we get to see that in our own lives in lots of ways. We get to see it in our work. Um, we get to see it in our relationships. We get to see it in the ways that we choose to relax and to have fun, this kind of spirit of creativity um, and wanting to give life, to bring life um, uh, into things. So um, that's another way I feel like in which we reflect God, that when we start to create um, it's our own little ways of trying to kind of give life to something. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something else that kind of comes up for me. Well, I'm like, we're all about variety, right? We love, I mean, it's inexhaustible, the paintings that can be painted, the songs that can be sung, mm-hmm. the, the art that, yeah. you know, and, and God too, in his creation, it wasn't like one animal, one sky color, you know, one tree. <laughs> I mean, God just makes this like a crazy bounty and like diversity of like the created um, earth that I think shows his delight in continual creation and lots of different types of things. And so I think we collectively as human beings mirror that by just the broad range of stuff that we do and our like interest in all that. And I also just want to give a shout out to Yolanda Jin who just graduated last year and she did our cover art for this podcast. And I just want to thank her for a beautiful drawing of crocuses that she did. So there's, I see the image of God in her just reflecting his beauty and creativity back to him, but just in all of us in different ways, we all mirror that. So yeah, I, I, we're creative just like God is creative. Yeah. And really briefly, I add on to that creative streak is just, I am always in awe when I get together with other people when I hear their opinions, their thoughts, um, and they're so different than my own. Mm. Um, and there's so many ideas and, Often it's like, okay, we have to make a decision. 
And we have all of these really good ideas, uh, just all of the different ways that you can go about doing something. And I'm just always in awe over how many ideas people have. And that just that's what I just put in there with that creativity that we get directly from God. I think also the ideas come with a moral sense um, that we weigh things, we consider things. You know, here we have this hint of the tree of good and evil, which we'll talk more about next week when we talk about the fall and the entry of sin into the world. But still, we have this idea that our behavior has moral significance. You know, we make choices. Adam was called to eat from these trees and not eat from these trees. And his his behavior had a different kind of weight than, than an animal that doesn't receive that kind of command, that doesn't receive that moral command. Um, so that's another part where we're like God, we image him by caring about good and evil or right and wrong. Yeah, those are some great thoughts, really showing how we resemble God and how we're made in his image. So let's turn and look a little bit differently, um, a little, in a little different direction. Let's turn and look at how being made in the image of God also means that we represent him. So I think that's another aspect for us to look like, look at. Um, so why don't we take a little bit of time and discuss in what ways do we represent God? And how does being made in his image mean that we represent God? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab. You know, today um, in daily prayer, um, quick plug for daily prayer. If you don't go 12 p.m. I like it. Time, you should. It's really great. Yes, um, it's just 20 minutes to just pop in to be refreshed, renewed. But today in daily prayer, uh, we talked about um, how we are ever dependent on God, right? In every single thing that literally the breath in our lungs, as we read right here in Genesis, is fully dependent um, on God. Um, and when when you take a step back to realize like that authority, you're like, whoa, like I I owe my life <laughs> to this person, right? To this, to this being, right? Person isn't the right word. This being that God is actually in control of my life. And so there is this sort of responsibility of, okay, I've been made in the image of God. He's breathed life into me and called me valuable, not by anything of my own doing, but just because I am. And so because he said that, because he's given me this great gift of life and of being valuable um, by nothing by my own works, how can I then go about living my life for him and representing for him? And so um, I really appreciate this question as we think about like, how do we need to represent? Because it is true that we need to take a step back and say that um, in this walk, being a student, um, that like we could feel like school is the most important thing, but like, no, God is my God. Um, and I actually owe all the things that I'm doing to him. So um, that's really just my initial thought. I'm curious to what you might have to add, Anna and Sky, as it relates to what that actually looks like us living out that representation. Well, I love that God, you know, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So, you know, this is a central truth of Christianity is that work was good and work happened before the fall. Again, sin is going to come in later on and taint everything. And sometimes we think that work is all bad, but we also have a sense of joy and purpose and meaning when we work. Like I think kind of like God, we yeah. don't actually just want to sit seven days a week. We need a seventh day to rest, but we also love to work. And so God gave human beings a real task on the earth. Like he gave this huge gift. He made this beautiful earth. And then he said, all right, here you go. Like this is yours to inhabit and live in and work and you can be fruitful and multiply. And like, I'm giving you this beautiful gift, but I'm also giving you responsibility. 
And that's meaningful because we all know that we don't like to be given like fake responsibility or like a task for like a two-year-old that doesn't really mean anything. Like God isn't mocking humanity. He's giving them a real call, like a real vocation because um, they have a responsibility to represent him on the earth and they're going to mess up that responsibility. And then there's going to be major consequences for human beings and for the earth itself. You know, Romans 8 is going to say that creation groans. Um, under like this waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Anyhow, sorry, jumping ahead, Genesis three. But right now we just see that work is good and that we're representing God when we do that on earth. Mm. Yeah, and with what you what you were saying there, Anna, really then this might be jumping ahead a little bit too, but it gives Go us for this, it, you know <laughs> it gives us this call of like, okay, if we represent God and if we if we are his child if we are bearing his image then we want to like bear that image well um, and mm. that kind of p- push us into like what responsibility do we have towards God um, and towards others in light of being made in his image so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that what would you say to that what responsibility do we have towards God and towards others in light of being made in his image that's a great question um one thing I think it's worth us kind of sitting with and pulling out of this passage is that we actually do have a responsibility. We actually do have a responsibility to rest, right? That like, um, mm-hmm. I just feel like when we see God stop, that we see like an invitation for us to too, to stop and to kind of enter in into the good work that God has done um, in our lives. And so this idea of taking a Sabbath, of taking time just to not work, to not create um, as much joy as it brings us and how nice it all is, um, is a really an opportunity of responsibility for us to say like, wow, God is good um, and, to, and to sit in that. So um, I feel like often when we talk about Christian responsibility, we talk about the things we need to do and there's a lot that we do need to do. Um, but resting is one of those things that is also on that list, not as a burden, but as an invitation to just sit down and reflect on God's goodness. Well, and there is, you know, because we're made by God, we belong to him in a sense. We have been made by him. We've been made for him. And so some people, you know, would re- are, react against that and are sort of like, no, I'm my own person. I'm my own independent thing apart from anybody else. And I'm not dependent. And, you know, I think there's something to think through there. But I also think one of the blessings of being dependent on being created is that you can also receive permission from your creator to do something like rest, (laughs) right? Because you're like, what is my identity? Like, in some ways, we believe that to receive our identity from God is actually free. And that is very counterculture, right? Because right now, Mm -hmm. people feel like Mm -hmm. the only identity that is freeing is the identity that you make. And if anyone, if you receive an identity, it's an imposition. But the Christian understanding is that there's also freedom in receiving your identity from a good God who loves you and delighted to create you and delights in you. And so, yes, you, in a sense, you owe something to him because he created you, but because he's good, he, he responds with good things. Like my child, I want you to take a rest. You know, I rested, you Mm -hmm. rest. And like, here are all the good gifts that I gave you to work with, but I don't need you to produce anything because I'm all sufficient God. So you know, work in your own, work what you can, but then rest and be satisfied in me, you know, because I provide you everything you need. So I just, we, we have a responsibility to God, but it's not, 
about responsibility for that brings death or heaviness or, or burden, but ultimately brings light and joy and peace and like finding, you know, the famous quote by Augustine, our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you. Um, mm-hmm. Just that sense that God is our true creator. And if I could just piggyback off of that, then it's just that this responsibility is motivated by love, right? And pure awe of like, wow, God has do, done all of these great things for me and has given such provision. And my my worth is not tied to my work. And so, okay, now how do I need to live? Like knowing that I'm not being condemned, knowing that I'm not being um, kind of judged or God's not waiting there to bring down the hammer. How can I then live in light of that? And I feel like when we're able to hold that heart, we can sit with a lot of hard things um, of like, how does God want me to respond to this? And how should I think about this? Um, because we know that we serve a God who is gracious, um, and has already made a way to provide for us and is all sufficient outside of anything we could ever do. Yeah. Where you're going there, Renea, um, I think there's so much more that we could talk about and, uh, think about kind of those implications of what does it mean that we're made in God's image and the implications for how we live out our life, the different ways that we live in this world. Um, And there's so much more we could talk about there. Um, So with that, we are going to invite you all and encourage you to join us for our small group Bible studies this upcoming week. Um, And we're going to explore some more of these questions. Um, So a couple questions I'll just kind of leave you with before we wrap up. Um, Questions for you to explore or think about before we get into Bible study. And the first question is, since we are made in God's image, what are the personal implications for us and how we live our lives? And the second question that we can think about is, what are ways that you personally struggle with remembering that people are made in the image of God? So those are two questions that we will touch more on at our small groups. Um, and again, we really do invite you to join. Um, if you are not one, a part of one of our small groups, please reach out to us. We would love to have you in one of our PCF Bible studies. So with that, thank you for listening. Thank you, Anna and Brenea, for discussing tonight. Um, and we hope to continue this discussion with you guys at a later time. So that is Genesis 2. This is episode 2. And next week we will pick up with Genesis 3. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.